0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsbury, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, we're going to finish this uh, short series that we've been in on a cosmic Christmas. And I'll ask a question and get you thinking in a way that is a, a little somber, but... Have you ever spent Christmas in a dark place? People are shaking their heads, yes. Maybe that was a Christmas that you spent in a waiting room. Or a Christmas that you spent in a battle zone. Or a Christmas that you spent in a hospital bed. Or Christmas in an empty home. And when you have spent Christmas in a dark place, have yourself... A merry little Christmas just doesn't cut it, does it? When you spent Christmas in a dark place, you need a Christmas story that is big enough to make sense of where you find yourself. Big enough to shed light into your dark place. You need a cosmic Christmas. And so we're going to finish that and talk about this cosmic king, Jesus... Who is the victor in a cosmic victory. And so let's worship him this morning. Well, as we have been saying in this series, the world is dark because there is a dragon. Jack Maxwell is a professor. or He was a professor. I'm not sure if he's still there, but at uh, ACU, also an artist. And a couple of Christmases ago, he had a new granddaughter who was born. But all wasn't well, and so that little baby girl had to be put in the NICU, and they really weren't sure whether she was going to live or not. And during that time, Jack Maxwell drew a picture, painted a picture. And in that picture was a woman who looked a great deal like his daughter, holding a tiny, fragile little baby who looked a great deal like his granddaughter. And with her arms stretched out in front of her, the mom was fending off a great red dragon. And that was how he depicted the spiritual reality around the physical reality that his family was dealing with. And in talking about the picture, he said that he imagined that the outstretched hand was the prayers of the saints going up around the world on behalf of that baby girl holding off the great red dragon in the power of the Son of God. Because Jack knew that there is one who is greater than the dragon. One who was born a little bitty baby. One who was born to be king. And one who has brought us a cosmic victory. Revelation 12 gives us a glimpse into the heavenly realm so that we see the conflict that was raging, that is still raging today. Because, as we see in Revelation chapter 12, the great dragon was hurled down to the earth. I've been calling it a great red dragon, I just realized. The Bible doesn't actually say that, but all the pictures that we see are that way. So, I don't want to confuse anybody. Just the great dragon. He was hurled down from heaven to earth. And he could not defeat the king. He could not defeat the one who was born. And so what scripture says he did is he turned his attention to us. Those who follow the one who was born. And he is the source. Not God. He is the source of the pain. Of the hurt. Of the grief. Of the darkness that we experience in this world. But... And that's always a great word in Scripture. But God has not abandoned His creation. God has not abandoned those who follow His Son. He has not abandoned His children. For God so loved the what? Do you know the literal word there is the cosmos? We've been talking about a cosmic Christmas. For God so loved the cosmos, the entire created order. The universe, God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only begotten son. And John, the one who penned those words in his gospel, is the same John who wrote the revelation in which we are reading. He's the same John who wrote three letters. And in the very first letter that he wrote, he said the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. That's why Jesus came into the world. He came to destroy the devil's work and he accomplished that on the cross. The devil's work was destroyed by Jesus on the cross. And now we live in the reality that also, although there is still sin, sin will not win. That's the reality that we live in. Sin will not win from the moment that sin entered the cosmos When this serpent, this dragon, this Satan, this devil, when he tempted Eve and she and Adam sinned, from that moment God put a plan into place. A preordained plan, Ephesians chapter 1 says. He put that plan into place. And he announced in Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman, the woman who had just sinned, that the seed of the woman was going to to come as a deliverer and that while Satan would be able to strike his heel, that deliverer would crush Satan's head. Jesus is that deliverer. And just as God planned, he came into the world through a young woman named Mary, and although Satan did strike his heel, he wounded Jesus and even thought he had killed Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he crushed the head of the enemy. He destroyed the work of the devil. And so what we celebrate in December is not just a merry little Christmas. It is a cosmic story and it has eternal implications for every living, breathing creature. And that's what Revelation chapter 12, I think, is about. Jesus, excuse me, John, he's on the island of Patmos. He is there because of his faith in Jesus. He wasn't the only one who was suffering because of their faith in Jesus. God's Holy Spirit came to John while he was there. He showed him a vision. And it was a vision that was meant to strengthen the church. It was a vision that was meant to encourage the church. And so that vision took them and takes us behind the veil. That vision gives us a glimpse. Gives the church a glimpse into the heavenly realm, into the spiritual realm. So that we can see just how big this cosmic story is. And so here's a few big ideas. That because Jesus came and destroyed the work of the devil, forgiveness is a given. Forgiveness is a given. See, we saw last week that that Satan is the accuser. That's one of the names that he has been given. He is the accuser. He is very quick to bring up our sin and to expose it. The good news, as we saw last week, is that God is not listening to the accusations of Satan anymore. Because they they don't hold any ground anymore. They have been forgiven. The blood of Jesus that Larry just talked about. The blood of Jesus has silenced the accuser. They don't carry any weight anymore because they have been forgiven. That's the words that this revelation starts with all the way back in chapter 1 verse 5. All glory to him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins. How? By the shedding of his blood for us. Forgiveness. Is a reality for us. Sin doesn't win. Because God has forgiven us. Through the blood of Jesus. He does not listen. To the accusations. Of Satan anymore. And so the question is. Why do you and I. But we do don't we. We hear those accusations. We hear that sin. That he brings back up. And whispers in our ear. Why does he accuse us. If those accusations. Are no longer. Legitimate. And I think it's because he's trying to undermine us. And he's trying to to take us out. See, he can't steal our salvation. He can't take our salvation away when God has given it. But he can lie to us. And he can deceive us. And he can rob us of the joy of the assurance that our salvation is meant to bring us. And when you and I listen to him and listen to his lies that's exactly what happens. Every one of us have experienced it. And so when you find yourself listening to his accusations against you, when you find yourself believing the lies that you are hearing, when you find yourself doubting God's love for you, when you find yourself doubting Jesus' salvation work done on your behalf, when you find yourself doubting the power of God's Holy Spirit into you, you go back to Romans chapter 8. And you read the great truths that we learned there last year in Romans chapter 8. And you dwell on God's truth and do not dwell on Satan's lies. And let God remind you. And so for just a minute, let me remind you. Of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God will forgive you of your sin. And He will restore the relationship. He will reconcile Himself with you, reconcile you with Him through Jesus Christ. And the good news is that Jesus has paid for your sins it's finished the angel when he announced his birth to Joseph said that Mary would have a son and that they were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins Jesus had to be born Had to come in the flesh. Had to become a man. So that he could be fully God. And fully man. In order to do the work. That his father sent him to do. Because only a man could solve man's problem. The sin problem. And so as a man. Jesus lived. And he was tempted. The Bible says in every single way. That you and I have ever been tempted. Jesus experienced it all. Yet, the difference is that not once did Jesus ever sin. Not once did Jesus ever break one of God's laws. Not once did Jesus ever do anything that was outside the good and perfect will of his father. Therefore, that is so critically important because it is only as a perfect, sinless sacrifice that Jesus could go to the cross and offer himself in our place. He offered his perfect righteousness on behalf of us in exchange for the punishment, which is death, that we deserve for our sins. And so Jesus took the punishment that the law demanded for sin. And, and listen To what Jesus said to God just before Christmas in Hebrews chapter 10. When Christ came into the world, he said to God. You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. But you have given me a body to offer. For God's will for us is to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Would you say those last words with me once for all time? God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. And so Jesus accomplished what he set out to do. He destroyed the work of. Of the devil. He took care of our sin problem and it is finished. There's nothing more left for him or anyone to do except for us to receive in it and to walk in it. And so, for anyone who is washed by the blood of the Lamb, forgiven is a given. And since that is true, hear me, church, God is not going to haunt you with the memory of your sins. God is not going to bring back up something that He has already said is done. When that happens, that's not God's voice coming to you. That's Satan's voice coming to you. Or that's your own voice. And we need to learn to discern and know the difference between our voice and Satan's voice and and the Lord's voice. He's not the one who haunts us with the memory of our sin. The dragon does that. There was a seminary student who wrote a paper on forgiveness. And in the In the paper, he meant to write the sentence, God will remove your guilt. But mistakenly, he typed, God will remove your quilt. Turned the paper in, got it back with red on it. But the red marks that stood out to him were the ones in the margin by that sentence. When the professor wrote, do not fear, God has given us another comforter. At your salvation, he did. At your salvation, he sent you another comforter. One who seals you in Christ, one who guarantees your future in Christ and your redemption. And one who, when the voice of the accuser is ringing in your ears, allows you to cry out, Abba, Father. So learn to listen to the voice of the comforter, not the voice of the dragon. And I know that all over the cosmos, we see the fallout of sin We deal with sin still in our own lives and in our families. But the reality is because of Jesus that sin will not win. Because the lamb conquered the dragon. And he put death, I heard it said this way, he put death on its deathbed. He put death on its deathbed. And that's what makes Jesus, the king of kings, he's the only ruler who has ever lived who still lives. He's the only ruler who ever lived who death could not hold. And again, listen to the words from the beginning of the revelation in chapter 1. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and of Hades. How cosmic is that? That Jesus died yet he conquered death and now he controls death. He controls the door. He has the keys. And if Jesus controls death, then the dragon's scheme To control us through the fear of death is greatly diminished. When my mama's husband Jerry was in the hospital, he'd been in the hospital several weeks at this point, and there were a couple of days there that he had just not been responsive. He hadn't woken up, he hadn't communicated, he was just unresponsive. We got there, and a little bit later. He woke up and it was sudden and he just woke up and he started talking and was knew what was going on and everyone was very excited and I was sitting close to his bed and I heard him say dying is hard work and I leaned in and I said Jerry is that what you think is happening he said I know that's what's happening. I said, how do you feel about that? And he said, everybody wants to live as long as they can. But this ain't living. A little bit later, his son came in on his lunch hour and saw him awake and said, dad, it's so great to have you awake. And Jerry, we all heard him. Jerry said, very seriously. He said, well, over the last couple of days, God and I. Had a pretty frank talk. And I told him. Lord I'm dying and I can't do this alone. I need your help. Jerry said he told the Lord. I'm ready to go. If you're ready to take me. But in typical Jerry fashion he said. But if not let's get something moving here. <laughs> See Jerry. God gave Jerry a couple of more weeks after that. And through all that time, not once did he ever waver from the conviction that he expressed to us in those words. Not once did he ever waver in his doubt, in his fear that he expressed in any way. He was always ready, always ready for the Lord to take him home, and he had full confidence and assurance because of Jesus. See, because Jesus had hold of death. Jerry had no fear of death. And that's what's really been frustrating to the dragon. Because for about 2,000 years, he's been trying to kill Christians. He's been trying to kill folks who follow Jesus. But the problem is that everywhere that he goes and kills Christians, it seems that the church just grows even stronger in those places and in those times. Because if his biggest threat is, I can kill you... And your response is, but in Jesus, I'll live again. Then there's really no threat. Jesus meant it when he said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never Die. Here is why our baptism is so significant, folks. Because Romans chapter 6 says that in our baptism, that we participate in the death of Jesus and in the resurrection of Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you, and I believe this with all of my being. I have staked my life, I have staked my career on what I'm about to tell you. That when you die in baptism, you will never die again. Thank you for somebody saying amen. Maybe you don't believe it's the reason you didn't say amen. But I believe it. When you die in baptism, when you die in Christ, and you are raised in Christ, you will never die again. Now something happens. We all have witnessed it and we've been a part of it. And something happens. There is a transition. There is... Something we call death. But I with all my heart believe. That every single person. Who is alive in Christ. Cannot be conquered by death. And they will. In that very next moment. In a millisecond. In a breath. They will be alive. As alive as they have ever been. With the Lord. To be absent from the body. Is to be alive. With the Lord. Folks. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what we hold on to. That very truth is the truth that Phil from Duck Dynasty has built his preaching on. If you ever listen to anything he says, any way that he teaches the gospel, anywhere he goes and preaches, he says, I want to be with somebody who can defeat death. Because death's our greatest enemy. Jesus has defeated death. He defeated it for himself and he will defeat it for every single person who believes in him. That's what John 11 said. So if that's Satan's biggest threat, he doesn't have any hold on us. But right now the world is still a dark place and every day we're reminded of that but we are headed for a future that is outside the shadow of death in fact the whole cosmos is and that's the last thing I want to point out that what Jesus has done in his victory in defeating the devil's works is that all of creation is going to be made new It's not just you and me. The entire creation right now is groaning under the weight of sin. But when Jesus returns, it's not going to be the end. It's going to be the beginning. Everything is going to be made new. It's going to be restored to what it was. Because the Bible doesn't start in Genesis 3 with death and sin and darkness. The Bible starts in Genesis 1 with light and life. And beauty in the world wasn't always a dark place under the power of the dragon. And when Jesus returns, the cosmos is going to be restored and the curse is going to be reversed. I heard it explained this way and I think this is a great analogy of what's going to happen. Because every four or eight years, you and I witness an event that takes place in Washington, D.C. in the transfer of power between one president and another. And when that sitting president walks out those doors and gets in that limo and we've all seen those pictures and drives with the the incoming president to the inauguration he leaves the white house looking exactly like it has looked for the entire time that he has been there but in the next five hours a transformation takes place Hundreds, maybe thousands of people swarm into the White House and they pack up every single thing that belonged to that president and his family. And it is put in boxes and it is moved out. And in that same five hours, they bring in everything that the new president and his family are going to want. And when he walks in the White House that night to get ready for the inaugural balls, he goes into a closet and his clothes are hanging there. And he goes into the bathroom and his truth brush is laying there. And he goes in the Oval Office and the pictures he chose are hung on the wall. It's a complete transformation. The old has gone and the new has come. Jesus is going to do that with the cosmos. Jesus is going to do that with the entire universe on a far greater scale and it's not going to take him five hours in the blink of an eye and it's what peter is alluding to in acts chapter 3 verse 21 when he said heaven must receive him talking about jesus has ascended he's gone back to his father heaven must receive him until the time comes for god to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. And so Peter isn't talking about the end of the world. Peter's talking about the restoration of the world back to what it was intended to be. And so cosmic Christmas is the beginning. Jesus coming into the world as a man is the beginning of what God has set out to do. To accomplish through his son. Sin will not win. The dragon will not succeed. Every atom of creation will be restored and Everything that has breath on that day will honor and adore and worship and bow before the King. So, do you understand just how cosmic Jesus' victory is? He is going to thoroughly destroy the work of the devil, He is not going to give up on the earth. I don't believe and take us all to heaven. Revelation says God is going to bring heaven down to earth. And that's how the revelation ends. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first heaven and the first earth had disappeared and there was no sea anymore. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it was prepared like a bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now God's presence is with people and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. No more sadness, crying or pain because all of the old ways are gone. And the one who was sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new and it helps us make sense of the present darkness to have light from the cosmic Christmas. Because right now the dragon still prowls and the cursed still exists and the world is still a dark place. But as we said a couple of weeks ago, it's all very temporary. It's time is short. Christmas was the start of something big and what was begun at his first coming will be finished at His second coming and knowing that gives us hope and endurance and joy as we wait because the waiting is long from our perspective and the waiting is hard. I don't ever want to be flippant about that. Waiting is hard and that's why God gives us a glimpse behind the curtain so that we can see that there is more to the story than we know and I want to end with a story that I heard that illustrates this a man named Dave discovered that truth he was married to his wife Brenda they lived in Iowa they had a family and life was good until Brenda started feeling bad and they found out that she had cancer And very quickly, she died. And again, from our perspective, she left. She was absent from her husband and her children at a very young age. A couple of years later, Dave met a lady named Jane and they fell in love and they planned to marry. At Christmas time, in their town in Iowa every year the radio station did a thing where people wrote in letters and sharing needs and they would read the letters and people at the radio station would pick one of those letters and they would meet Grant the wish well that year the radio station called Dave and Jane and they were surprised because they had not written a letter But Brenda had. One month before she died, she looked at Dave and she gave him her blessing and said, I want you to go on with your life. And when you find someone, I want you to fall in love and I want you to get married. And then she wrote a letter and she gave it to a friend. And she said, when that day comes at Christmas time, I want you to give this letter to the radio station. And in the letter, she asked for three things. She said that she would like a complete spa treatment for Dave's bride. That she wanted a really great vacation for the blended families. And that she wanted a special night out for all the doctors and nurses who had taken care of her on the eighth floor. And the friend turned the letter in and the radio station read the letter and they decided to grant that wish. see, Dave and Jane did not know that there was a story going on behind the story that they knew. And brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a story going on behind the story that you and I see and know. And we believe it. And we hold on to it in faith. And it gives us strength and courage and endurance and even joy. Because God in the revelation has let us know how that story is going to end. It's a cosmic story about a king and a dragon. It's a cosmic story of forgiveness. The end of death. The renewal and restoration of all Things and one day our Lord Jesus will be revealed in all of his glory as the King that he is. And as surely as he came the first time, he is coming again. And that's how the revelation ends. Jesus, the one who says these things are true, says, Yes. I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. If the Lord has used anything that has been said or read, or if He's used the voice of the Comforter to touch you, to speak to you. To convict you. I'm going to be in the back. While we sing this song. Our Elmer. Will be over here in the prayer room. When our service is done. But I invite you. To worship the king. And to respond to the king.